Hey everybody, you're listening to Sit Down with Stand-Ups. I'm Ari Azizian. Thanks for tuning in. we got an awesome show for you. But first, be sure to subscribe to Sit Down with Stand-Ups. That's Sit Down with Stand-Ups. It makes sense. And uh, we're on iTunes now, so uh, gone are the days of keeping that YouTube window open in the back of your computer, chewing up the bandwidth of your fellow employees. Now you can just subscribe in the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone, and the latest episode will appear on your phone right when it goes up. It's that easy. You can even listen on on SoundCloud, too, under Sit Down Stand-Ups. And if you're too good for the iPhone and you went out and you got an Android... Oh, that's impossible! No! What do you mean? Well, you know what I mean. He's gone. And we couldn't do nothing about it. That's it. What do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, He's gone. He's gone. And that's it. They whacked him. They fucking whacked him. No, God! No, God! Please, no! 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 I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I don't know. I don't know. If you got an Android, uh, I think yeah, you can listen maybe i don't even if you just go uh i i don't know i think it's uh the the podcast republic app or something like that i don't know whatever it doesn't matter it's, those people don't listen to podcasts anyways all right my guest today is omid singh omid is a hilarious comedian if you haven't seen him live yet you need to he's one of the funniest guys out there his stand-up album is out now on iTunes. It's called Live in Bakersfield. That's Omid Singh, Live in Bakersfield, available now on iTunes. I just listened to it, and it's super hilarious. Definitely check it out. And follow him on Twitter at BrownMan3000, or check out his website at omidsing.com. That's Omid, O-M-I-D, Singh, S-I-N-G-H.com, for updates on when Omid will be in your area. All right, here's Omid. A lot of like soccer and stuff, like growing up. Baseball. Baseball. Okay. In, in Dubai, it was all cricket. Yeah. All the kids played cricket every single day. We'd go out to the parking lot and we'd play where there'd be like no cars in a row, so it'd make like a perfect cricket pitch. Nice. And then I would bowl, which is like pitching. Right. And uh, I, that's what I loved. I thought originally I was going to be like a cricket player. professional cricket player. Oh, that's all I wanted. <laughs> it would have made my dad so proud. <laughs> made him so proud. Way, way more proud than if I became a doctor or a lawyer, <laughs> which I didn't. But like, if I did, he he, if I became a cricketer, man, his dreams would come true. That's awesome. Yeah, I know you speak Farsi. In Dubai, yeah. it's mostly Arabic, right? Dubai is mostly Arabic. Uh, Do you speak Arabic as well? I speak a little bit of Arabic because of cricket. Actually, like I know, like Sayara means car. Okay. Because we used to have to say <laughs> that in the street. Yeah, there's a car coming. <laughs> Sayara, Sayara. So everybody would move out of the way. Yeah. And uh, so I know that. I know all the numbers, like one to ten. But we spoke Farsi every day at home. And okay. In, in school, I went to a private British school, and so like everybody spoke English. And our Arabic teachers kind of like helped us cheat on Arabic. Like anytime we had something wrong, they would just like come up to us and be like, "Just mark it the other <laughs> one," because they didn't want to get fired. They were right. all just like they didn't care. They were just they were just babysitting us. Yeah. The school was a joke. Like it wasn't anything serious in any way, shape, or form. And my sister and I came from an Indian school. We first went to an Indian school in Dubai, which was, like, super strict. I remember them, like, pulling down a kid's pants once because he, like, me- like did something wrong. And the teacher, like, pulled his pants down in the, mi- in the middle of the class. And that was, like, a punishment. 
Just embarrassment? Kid, embarrassment, I guess, yeah. Did they hit him too? Uh, one kid got hit with a ruler. I remember that too. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty nuts. And then we went to the private British school, which was like a resort. It was oh pretty amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So they just, yeah, you just take your pants off and then. Take your you, pants off. You never. And we go never back got it. I remember like... him running out the door. I, that's all I remember of the memory. Like, he came up to the front of the class, teacher pulled his pants down, we saw his butt, and then he ran out the door. And that was the end. That I don't, I don't was... even remember seeing that kid again. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the school. I don't think he ever came back. That is like the most long term psychological effects oh, on a person. Yeah. Done so young. Yeah, he's already done. What he's could he done. possibly do? He's finished. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Some That's kind it. of government job, maybe. Yeah. He's working in, nine to five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just happy to go to Buffalo Wild Wings on Saturdays. <laughs> Hang out with the bartender that doesn't know his name. Just ruined. Yeah. Just ruined. So at, at 10, you did you move to back to San Diego? No, we moved to Texas. Wow. So okay. we went to Dubai to what, Texas. What did your parents do? That you had to move My around My dad so does import-exporting of clothing. Okay. So he has Wait, like is he the Iranian in the family? No, he's the Indian one, but okay. he acts more Iranian. I was going to say, because import-exports. Yeah, around. totally. My dad's way more Iranian than my mom, and my mom is way more Indian than my dad. <laughs> That's like, My mom's a yoga instructor and does Reiki and <laughs> meditation, and she's the Iranian one. Iranian women are not known for that kind right. of behavior. They're known to be like rather hoity-toity and yeah. like... But she has that in her too. She definitely knows how to like dress up an apartment and like our house or anything. Like she knows how to make something fancy. Just downward dog underneath like a five thousand dollar chandelier. Chandelier, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the the yoga mat is made out of like Cartier or something like that. <laughs> exactly. It's got Christian coach Dior on it. Yeah, <laughs> Christian Dior. Exactly. This is my Dolce and Gabbana Buddha. It's <laughs> 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 absurd. That's so funny. It's absurd, but they'd love it. Iranians would eat that up. Yeah, totally. I'm surprised they haven't. Right? The Iranian yoga. I think we should market. go into business and yeah. just open this up. I agree. Um, so you moved to Texas. What part of Texas were you in? Katy, Texas, which is like near Houston, and uh, I liked it. I was young, you know, kid. I had a bike, and I would go to like academy sports and outdoors every day, which is like, you know, like a just a regular outdoor store. Yeah. And I would just like look at rollerblades all day. <laughs> would never buy anything. <laughs> I would just look at rollerblades every day. Then I'd go look at the guns because they had guns. Yeah. I'd just look at guns through a glass plate. That was it. That, that was, was I did that. That was K Texas. I did that for a year. And I played Pokemon. I played a bunch of Pokemon and I and I went to Academy Sports and Outdoors and I would ride my bike through like ditches. That honestly, like, it sounds funny now, but that's like every ten-year-old's dream is to like oh. look at guns through a glass case, play Pokemon, <laughs> look at Pokemon. Have no idea where my parents are. Exactly. Mondays and Thursdays, I'm gonna watch wrestling on TV. That's a beautiful day. Oh, it's oh, those are great days. <laughs> I mean, they're all great days, but they're they're just so not fulfilling at the same time. <laughs> There's literally nothing to look back on and be like, I used that time well. I'm like, no, there was nobody ever around me. I was alone the whole time. I was alone by myself. <laughs> Thank God I had my ambition of roller skating one day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which didn't happen for a few more years. <laughs> that ambition finally became reality when we moved to California. But in Texas, I don't think I did it. Just had a bike. So you were in Texas for, and then, I mean, did you move more than that after that? Yeah, right after Texas for one year, we decided it wasn't for us, and uh, we moved to California. We moved to Orange County, and we lived in Irvine for a year, and then we moved to Tustin, and then we moved back to Irvine because the school district 
in Irvine wouldn't let my sister go to Irvine with where we were living in Tustin. We moved every year, once a year. Wow. So every every 365 days, we'd move. And my mom would flip the house. So she would like, we'd buy a house, my mom would dress it up a little bit, and then we'd sell it, and then we'd move somewhere else. So we just kept moving and selling and moving and selling up until I was 18. Wow. And then my parents got divorced. And once they got divorced, all that stopped, and I moved to New York pretty much immediately. I didn't get into any colleges, and I was like, okay, well, I don't want to go to IVC, which is like the community college. I did it for like a semester. Right. And I didn't like it. I liked my teachers, and I, I you know, it was interesting, but I was like, ah, oh, this kind of feels like continuation high school. And high school was great, but uh, I was already doing stand-up, and I really liked it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to New York and take all the UCB classes and uh, get on SNL. That yeah. was like the goal. That's 18, awesome. knew it, like that's what I wanted. So I just moved out to New York and started doing that. Took all the classes, worked odd jobs that I hated. Uh, a couple of them I liked, but a few of them were just terrible. What were some of those jobs? Uh, I worked for a soccer company, coaching little kids. That was amazing. It was called Super Soccer Stars, and it was like all over Manhattan and Brooklyn. Super Soccer Stars. Yeah, and New Jersey, actually. It was like, it was so much fun. Like, yeah. you'd have like a bunch of four-year-olds, and the whole job was just to like make sure they don't touch the ball with their hands. <laughs> That's the whole thing with teaching four-year-olds how to play soccer. Right. And it was super enjoyable. That's we, the most fun thing to watch four-year-olds play soccer, because oh they God. all run at the ball. They all swarm. It's <laughs> just a swarm. No idea of positions yet. Nothing. Positions. They don't even know they're on a field. Exactly. They don't even know where. They're just so <laughs> no, stupid. Yeah. They're so dumb. They're just like <laughs> looking around. I love it. I love I loved that job, just because if you made them laugh, too, it, was, it felt amazing. Just wow, to make yeah. these dumb fucking four-year-olds <laughs> laugh was like, yes. If I can make these people laugh, that's great. They don't even speak English. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just so used to like a Jamaican dialect from their nannies. Right. It's like, if I'm making them laugh, this is amazing. This is huge. So that was a great job. I worked at a restaurant called Sinigual, which is like a upscale El Torito grill. Okay. That was fun because yeah. of the people that I worked with. They were amazing. So it was just like fun. That culture of like, we work together, then we go out and we drink. Nice. We like hang out. And I was like probably 20, 21, maybe... 19 i don't know and i was like yeah this is cool this Dude, is like, the restaurant like chef business is like they're so hardcore yeah man it's a hard grind they like a, go out smoke a pack of cigarettes yeah like in their break and then oh come yeah back get and wasted. work eight hours yeah it's nothing like comedy like comedians are like oh i'm grinding i'm doing like four sets to them like dude this guy's making a thousand dishes <laughs> exactly you're making a thousand ceviches you make <laughs> and he has to make sure every one of them's good otherwise he's gonna hear shit about it forever know, yeah. people get sick from ceviche if, yeah if somebody <laughs> like dies from this ceviche if that ceviche is not you know properly lemon per- i don't know has to be perfect like every your time. second suck Every this time, yeah. My second sock and everybody will be like, oh, okay, that was bad. But if their food is bad, are you <laughs> shitting me? You have God. to leave the country. We're, we're pampered like so move. hard. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Comedians are pampered so hard. And just so many people have just so much harder jobs. That's the thing, like, when I'm like, oh, man, I got to go drive an hour to the set. I'm like, they're like a longshoreman on the drive over. Yeah, but they chose to do that, too, I guess. True, true. I, I'd love to do a Deadliest Catch type of job. I yeah. think that would be so much fun. Just like a... Just Ice like road a, trucker or something. Yeah, like. just one season <laughs> out there. Twelve episodes. That's all. Twelve I episodes. To get on TV finally. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't working as a comedian, so I don't really want to get on TV. I joined Deadliest Catch. <laughs> it was an easier way on television. You know, that's a video game now. 
Deadliest Catch? How boring of a what video game does that have to be? How dare they? How dare they make that a video game? It better be incredibly hard. You better have to like go home and explain to your wife that there's no money this season. Like That has to be the game. Like You struggle with addiction. You don't know what beanie to put on before you get on the boat. You you're can on only... speed the whole time. Yeah, you're on speed the whole time and you keep running out of speed. That's got to be the game. If it's just catching lobsters or whatever the fuck, yeah. king crab... <laughs> Gonna be so upset. You gotta put in cheat codes to get more speed from the deal. <laughs> the whole game is just whole, taking speed. Just waiting for the man to show up. Oh man. Oh, that's a game. <laughs> you play longshore diving again? <laughs> yeah, man. It's crazy. No, speed. dude. Fuck Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. You're playing Deadly Sketch. It's crazy, dude. Um, that would be a fun game. Was um was moving every year like in your teenage years? Was that like pretty tough? Like. Cause my, I remember my parents no. like, no, <laughs> no, it really wasn't. I my liked mom was it. like uh, high school. She was like, you go to this school and it's like the best school. Like 90% of the kids go to UCLA or you could stay here. I was like, oh, I want to be with my friends. And now looking back, it's like, dude, fuck my friends. I should have went there and gone to like a good school. I mean, either way it would have been a, it would have been a different path no matter what I think. But right. like, no, I mean, I was so into the moving at this point. I also lied a bunch. Really? Oh, my God. I I lied a ton. Created a bunch of characters. Made kind of. a bunch of characters up, told people I knew Blink-182. Like, just <laughs> crazy stuff. Took crazy stuff. Because I could get away with it. Because I knew I was leaving in the right. year. I yeah. knew that we were going to be moving to a whole new district soon. <laughs> Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Oh, my God. I lied so much. <laughs> Just cause, and then when I was eighteen, I just promised I wasn't gonna lie anymore. What's a what's a really big band that nobody can trace me for? Blink One Eight Two. Oh, who's gonna ask me for backstage passes? Oh, these three girls. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna have to laminate three fake Blink One Eighty Two backstage <laughs> passes and have my mom take me to FedEx Kinkos because I'm in the sixth grade and I can't go to FedEx Kinkos by myself because I don't know how to tell the person, "Hi, I need these laminated. I don't have any money, mom." <laughs> pay for this <laughs> it's a pretty good prank they're gonna love it that's awesome that really happened <laughs> <laughs> the guy kinkos is like well i this isn't really forging anything <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> these don't look shit like backstage passes <laughs> they're handwritten <laughs> <laughs> they're on napkins sir <laughs> so we can't laminate napkins <laughs> <laughs> just laminate it bro <laughs> I need these by tomorrow. <laughs> these never girls looked will never up. Never talk to me again. Never, yeah, these girls will never talk to me again. That's awesome. That's so funny. Um, so you started stand up in high school? Yeah, yeah, I did it my junior year for the first time, and the first time I did it, I like, I set up a a stand up show because all of our friends, my sister was an improviser, all of her friends were improvisers. Is she older than you? She's older than me, so she was a senior when I was a freshman. So okay. when I was in the eighth grade, she was a junior. And I'd go to the high school and watch her and her friends do improv. So that was like my first like seeing comedy live type of atmosphere. Yeah. And I loved it. I'd go to the school and it was like a 300 person theater. Usually there'd be like anywhere from 200 to 300 people there. And <laughs> they packed it out. That's, and they yeah. were great improvisers. Super funny. It was comedy sports. So they had to be super duper clean. Nice. And they were just good at what they did. So then when my sister became a senior, I think she was the captain of the comedy sports team. And I was a freshman, and I auditioned, and I got on. And then I just started doing improv freshman year and sophomore year. And by junior year, everyone sort of, like, was beginning to think about the future. And I was like, okay, well, let's do a stand-up night. So yep. we did a stand-up night, and I stole all of my material from Eddie Izzard for that first <laughs> show. 
just did like really like obscure bits that I thought nobody would have known. And people knew who, all the bits. I got <laughs> called out for it immediately. And then I did maybe like one or two more times junior year, if that. And then senior year, I auditioned for the Uncle Clyde's Comedy Contest at Flappers. Okay. With Barbara Holiday. And that was fun. Um, and before that, I just took like a, the real big thing was taking this one day comedy seminar at the Irvine Improv where Daniel Tosh was like the guest speaker. No way. And then they were going to have a few like other people just talk about comedy. And I'd never, I was like probably 18 and I asked my mom if I could go, I think it was like 50 bucks. And I went out there and it was great. I sat next to this old guy. He told me about chucklemonkey.com, which was like the listing of all like the, shows in LA at the time and so like that really helped just getting that advice was great and then Daniel Tosh was fun and they gave us tickets to see Daniel Tosh perform that night damn so it was great that's awesome it was a great life experience what was Tosh like was he like pretty supportive super yeah oh yeah he was very supportive and was very honest he had I mean he had probably not a whole lot at that point he was probably just still doing college tours and like all that jazz this was before Tosh.0 and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff very humble, very good guy. Just went up on stage and talked to us for a little bit. Not even that memorable, just because he I don't think he wanted to be. It was like just good and simple. And the show was funny. I remember laughing at yeah. it. I remember being in that club being like, Oh, this is cool. It's fun to see a comedian perform. Right, totally. Well that's awesome that you, you start so you started with improv and then you sort of figured out how to do stand up as well. Yeah. Started with improv. That was like the do first. Do you still two. do improv, by the way? Only when I can. Like mm-hmm. I don't really seek it out. But if someone ever says like, "Hey, we're doing an improv show," kind of like dust it off and like do it again. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's a muscle that you got to keep working out. Like stand up. Totally. I mean, it's it's just a different muscle. And people that are good at improv are really good at improv. People that are good stand up are really good at stand up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I went out to New York thinking I'm gonna be on UCB and I'm gonna do all this. I wanted to still be an improviser. And I, I did all the classes, and then I applied for their advanced study class. Didn't get in. Then I applied for it again when I came back to L.A., and I again didn't get in. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks. And the whole time that I was applying, like, they had this diversity initiative, and they're like, we're trying to get brown people into UCB. And I'm like, bitch, I'm fucking applying to this. I'm still not getting in. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm applying. And I know I'm good at it. I liked doing yep. improv, and I, I loved the team aspect of it and all that jazz. I just never got in. So that kind of put like a sour taste in my mouth and then made stand-up really number one priority. That's awesome. And then I fell in love with stand-up. I mean, yeah. It was just like one of those things where it's like you perform and when you when you make people laugh, it's amazing. And when you get to explore like what people are thinking about in the audience, it's very enjoyable. That's so interesting because I feel like I'm like right there right now too because I just I didn't make the next round at Groundlings and like Second City keeps doing this outreach thing for diversity. Yeah. And I keep applying for it for like a scholarship. And never hear from it. And I'm looking around the class. I'm like, I'm the only brown kid yeah. in all these classes. Are like, you bullshitting? Who's getting You're these probably things? bullshitting me, yeah. aren't you? At this point. I'm friends with everybody here. Nobody's <laughs> getting this. Um, I mean, maybe. It could be happening. But it's like, I don't know. It's It sounds like a shitty club. Right. It sounds like a shitty club. <laughs> At this point, like being a little bit older, it's just like, uh, I don't know. Well, that's the cool thing about stand-up, too. And I'm sure you discovered that it's like you control your own fate, kind of, right? Yeah. And I'm sure also, like, I now that I said that, I feel like you can say that about stand-up, too, that that's also a shitty club. And, like, some people don't get in and they really want to get in. Right. And they <coughs> and they end up somewhere else. 
But like, yeah, it's all it's all just a small gang. Yeah, it's and true. we're all just trying to fit in. And some places you're fit in a little bit easier, and some places you don't fit in at all. Totally. So was the transition from improv to stand up pretty easy for you, since you already had sort of like your chops and stuff? I don't have any chops in stand up, but like the, the I mean, just being on stage. Of, uh, a little bit, a little bit. It got harder because once you realize at first when you do stand up you don't realize how alone you are mm-hmm. until like 5 years in and then i think you realize like oh my god i'm so alone on stage yeah. i'm going to be alone every time <laughs> oh you mean no one's ever going to help me <laughs> oh man i didn't think about this i thought like for the first couple of years i'll be alone and then like people will be around me no nope, <laughs> still alone still 1 billion percent alone on stage <laughs> talking about my dick and it's like hey, you're just so alone but uh i i started it was easy to do stand-up like to get okay at it because I was living in New York and I was living in a hostel. So every week, 10 people would check into the hostel, 10 new people, and I would take them to a bringer show. So that's how I would get stage time. That's awesome. So Ian Bag told me he did the same thing. Did he? he? to New York, yeah. Yeah, it was the easiest thing to do. take like Australians to his show. Yeah, and, and they would leave and I would never have to ask the same people to come to some shows. That's awesome. Some friends would come to every show. Yeah. But like... Thankfully, I'd be like, hey, you just showed up from Ukraine? Yeah, doing a comedy show. You've never seen that before, right? It was an easy sell. Right. So then they'd come, they'd sit down, and i get to practice the same eight minutes over and over again. And it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I felt like I was getting good. I started doing prom shows, and that was enjoyable, which was like 2 a.m. performing to like kids on their prom. Like After they oh, finish okay. dancing, they come yeah. to the comedy club and they watch comedians perform. I heard that's huge on the east coast yeah it's to avoid kids from like doing drugs and having sex right but it's totally not working <laughs> they're just doing <laughs> drugs at the club and probably having sex outside somewhere <laughs> so it never worked but I, I was okay at that and then yeah I, I liked it I lived in New York for four years and then I came back here so you really started stand-up in New York pretty much yeah and what was that like if you could compare it to Los Angeles like were there a little do you think it was a really cool place to sort of get started? Or? I think so. I mean, it was cool because, I mean, LA is cool too, just because of the sheer amount of big comedians you can meet in both locations. I remember meeting like Todd Berry, Amy Schumer, Godfrey, wow. all on one show. And yeah. it's like, it was so amazing to see all these people in the back of the room. And then coming here and, you know, you're running into like whoever, Chris Rock or whoever's performing, anybody can just show up. Gabriel Iglesias, like. Right. It's just fun that these names exist and that they can they come and hang out at the same places that we're hanging out. So scene-wise, it's pretty connected. I mean, both places is tough for people who are unknown. I mean, it's difficult to get stage time when nobody knows who you are or when you're not funny yet and you're trying to be funny when it just hasn't clicked yet, but you're just working at it. Right. That's also a completely different beast of just, like, trying. Yeah. It's difficult everywhere. Do you um? How long have you been doing it? nine years nine years and you just mentioned like that moment where it clicks is that like an ongoing thing or do you remember like the first yeah. time where you sort of felt it keeps like, happening yeah only once has it clicked on stage where i felt like oh it's clicked while i'm performing and that felt great mm-hmm. that was like one of those nights where i was like oh like i could feel laughter just like pushing me back and i was like i have this i got it right and then <laughs> most other time when you when you have that click it's for me it's been like off stage it's been like the next morning or like right after a show and then either realizing where I'm at in a good way or in a negative way of being like, oh, I'm a little bit lower than I thought I was or, OK, I, I figured out rhythm just a little bit better 
to make like a cohesive set. Yeah. Those are all the sort of clicks that like happen every once in a while. Nothing ever feels like I won. That <laughs> click uh, hasn't happened. I yet. understand everything. I understand everything. I am God. Like that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Even even in a delusional sense, I don't think I've ever been like that. It's always been like, now nope, still working hard, still trying to figure it out. Totally. Don't really have a clue, but I but I have a clue, but I don't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah. And how many times would you say were you going out when you first started? Like, not a every bunch. Night or? No, when I first started, I think I was going out once a week, okay. maximum, which I thought was a bunch. I was that asshole who would always be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a comedian." <laughs> oh, how often do you go? Like once a week. I would do that all the time when I first started out. And then and how Reese, bad do you think I feel? I go once a week and I have a podcast where I talk to professionals. That's fine. Hey man, you're, you're working at it. I mean, you're not an asshole for it. I mean, I, I get it. We all do it. We all, we all want to be included in the club. And who's to say that we weren't doing it or aren't doing it? Nobody. Literally nobody. As long as you feel it, you're doing it, and it's fun. Sometimes a w- once a week, I feel like for some of us is more than enough. It's all we need. Yeah. It's just to get that looseness out and to, to make sure that it all works. And then once you get better at it, you keep doing it more and more and more and more and more. It's addicting though, right? Like you just it is addicting. want to keep going. It is addicting. And sometimes it's nice like when you when I, I like I don't have a set and I'm like, God, I just wish I could do a set right now. And then someone will text me like, Hey, I got a spot that just opened up. It's like, Oh my God, this is yes, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. This is amazing. How did this happen? Like you're just so <laughs> grateful and happy that it happened. Because it's fun, man, hanging out at a club or a bar and just, like, going up, telling your jokes. It's so enjoyable. It's, like, one of those highs that's, like, I don't know. You can't really find it at anything else. Totally, yeah. I feel like, I don't know, for me or maybe for you as well, but, like, when you see or get introduced to stand-up, because as a kid, I don't understand stand-up. I don't think any kid realizes. Like, when you watch Eddie Murphy, you're like, oh, I can. that's a job. There's a path that you can do that. But, like, once you see, like, comics hanging out and stuff, you're like, oh, I just want to be a part of that, like, group yeah. of comics just you know, I'm the opposite in the green room. I think when I, I the first thing that really got me into comedy was Robin Williams' Live on Broadway. Oh, which yeah. Which is a huge Dude, special. Same here. It's a huge special, yeah. yeah. And so that was the first thing I ever saw, and I thought, that's that's it. That's what I want to do. And that's one of those specials where even every time I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, I learned... I see something that I missed the first time. Totally. But there's, but like that golf bit is like one of the that funniest was just bits. The golf yeah. bits, yeah. It's one of the best bits ever. And so like that kept me engaged in that special for years and years and years and years and years. And I saw him live. That was like the first show that I saw was at MGM Grand, Robin Williams performing live. That's so cool. So the first time I saw a live stand-up show was in front of like 20,000 people. Wow. And one performer. No yeah. opener, nothing. And he just went out there and he did his, his act. Some s- familiar jokes, some different jokes, but I was like, I never saw the hangout aspect of it. Right. I didn't even know that it existed, to be honest. I thought like these guys go show up, perform, head out. That's it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And then I was surprised by the hangout aspect of yeah. it. Like, oh no, there's a lot of chilling to be done, and there's <laughs> a lot of chilling to be done. But like, I think there's also a lot of work to be done. That must you have been an amazing just... show to see, though. It was. It yeah. was a really, really fun show. I, I thanked my dad for I that. I bumped one. into him. Because Mort saw it play once a month in San Francisco. And oh. I went and he was up there. It was like a few months before he passed. And he was just there. And at the end, I was like, I had to go up and like shake yeah. his hand. And I told him that was my opening line. I was like, hey, live on Broadway was the biggest thing for me when I was a kid. And he's like, oh, thank you, boss. Like, he's just like what a guy. nicest guy. Yeah. What a fucking guy. Oh, I wish I could have met him. Him that, and George Carlin were two dudes I never got to meet. He would play like on stage, like those early specials too. Like, he'd just go out in the like audience and like yeah. he'd play to the back of the room. Yeah, 
I never saw him live other than that one time. But I would have loved to have seen him in a little club and like got to hang out with him. Yeah, apparently came to Comedy Magical like all the time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So was it, were some of your heroes like Carlin and Robin Williams? Carlin, Chris Rock, Bill Hicks, Robin. Yeah, those were the guys. Those are the guys that really like set everything up for me. As far as like what kind of brand I want, yeah, what kind of comedy I like doing. Those were the guys. They you, are still are the guys, and then there's a few others that pop in here or there. Do you realize like your brand or voice kind of early on? No, I didn't realize it until a girl came up to me after a college show and she said, "Oh, I love your dry humor." And I was like, I, "Oh, my dry? I had no idea." Dude, I have I had no idea. I had no idea. And then I embraced it. I was like, okay, well, it's the first time anyone said anything about my comedy. Right. So I guess I'm dry and I like it. That's awesome. And I stuck with it. At the same, at first, like, Gramlings class, like, dude, you're so dry, like, deadpan. I was like, I want to be the opposite, but all right. (laughs) I remember being a comedy sports guy and being, like, that energetic running around dude. Right. And then as a stand-up, I'm dry. Okay. (laughs) That's how you're interpreting it. I don't mind. I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. All right. Call whatever you want. What's, like, the most, like, fun set that you remember, like, recently or of all time? The most fun set. Oh, there's a few, man. It's, like, there's a few. Uh, A good set. Hmm. Well, one that I thankfully get to listen to over and over again is my album, is Live in Bakersfield. Yeah. This was a set that I recorded on my Zoom, and then I went to Edinburgh, and I did a bunch of shows there, and then I came back, and then I was just listening through files on my Zoom, and I stumbled upon this set, and I listened to it the whole way through. And as I was listening through it, I was like, oh, I really like this. It's a fun blend of, like, material and crowd work. And so that was a fun set. It's not a great set in any way shape or form but it's a fun set yeah and i enjoyed it so much i was like okay I, I can release this i can be happy if i put this out as my album yeah totally because i know 10 people will listen to it and i hope those 10 people laugh and that was it how, how was that whole like where you knew you had like i always like i'm amazed when comics like put out specials and stuff like how do you just know when your like material is ready or because everything worked everything in the album actually was how i'd want the material to sound and i when I was listening to it, I was listening to the setup going, I'm going to mess this up. This punch isn't going to work the way I want it to work. Oh. And the crowd was so great, and every punch worked. The crowd was completely on board. Yeah, I think that, beyond anything, was like the one thing where I was like, oh, okay, this could actually be an album, because my partner, the audience, is crushing it, yeah. murdering it. They're, they, have, they get every single point. They're laughing at everything perfect that's that's more than what you could ask for i think on an album is like totally, yeah. is the audience on board and Absolutely, they were yeah yeah because you can't control that really like you can't control that really i mean you could you can you can manipulate it a little bit but it's like it's just really sharp like audiences where they're on board sharp from the audience first joke. yeah on board and and just having fun that's so great, that's man. why i decided to release the album just because like they sounded so good Honestly, they sounded so good. And I was like, they're laughing at everything that I want them to laugh at. I can't ask for anything more right now. Right now in my career, yeah, I can't ask for anything more. I'm really looking forward to hearing that album. Yeah, check it out. It's on Spotify. Spotify? Okay, cool. It's on Spotify. It's on CD Baby, Bandcamp, probably iTunes by now. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. And you just recorded on a a Zoom? Yeah. Do you do it yourself? Yeah. I I pressed record myself. (laughs) I pressed record myself, and then I sent the tape. 
I listen to it, and my roommate downstairs, Mateo, is a music engineer and, yeah. a, and a musician himself. And uh, I gave it to him, and I was like, if, is there anything you can do this audio? Right. And he looked up, he posted on a forum, like, trying to clean up this audio, and he found a sound engineer who said he's been trying to get into, like, editing live comedy albums. And he did it for me. Like, he, he, he got awesome, everything yeah. edited, and then I listened to it, and I broke up the times as to, like, what each track should be like. Mateo cut it up. I gave him my passport photo, <laughs> which ended up being my album cover. Uh, this Where creepy, creepy, this creepy airport security <laughs> photo right there. Because it had to be like two inches by two inches. And yeah. I was like, well, that's perfect. That's, that's awesome. I just took this new passport photo where I look like a half ISIS member. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's just do that. We called it live in Bakersfield just because like that's what it is. That was easy. Yeah. Is that, the cover is just white with the picture in the middle? Yeah. That's no, awesome. no white. It's just the picture. So it's like a close up of that face, <laughs> with that beard. So I was pretty happy with it. Damn, that's rad. Yeah, that's so awesome. I got, yeah, I totally got to listen to that. Isn't it amazing? Like this recorder, we had the same recorder that you yeah, used yeah. for your special, and it's like if that Super technology handy. was around, like if Richard Pryor just busted that out some I mean, night. He had like, his own thing. I'm sure he <laughs> had. A, I'm sure they had eight track recorders right. or whatever the hell he wanted to record on. I'm sure if he wanted to record a set, somebody was there. Somebody would have shown <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It's us who have to like wheel these things around. We're like, okay, this is the night, guys. <laughs> 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 record. Ho- hopefully get set. lucky. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think I just got lucky. I just found that tape again, and I was happy with it. I listened to it the whole way through, and I was like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Is it Bakersfield? Yeah. I was in a little place called the Rocket Shop Cafe, and it, it was just a creepy little hangar. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> That's that was a good rad. Time. I gotta listen to it. Yeah, um, and you played Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. How was that? Year. Amazing. Yeah. It was a such a unbelievable treat for a stand-up comedian who is pretty unknown. Like you just show up, people treat you great. The people, the company that I worked with was called Just the Tonic, and they were like unbelievably nice and sweet to me. And uh, you just go out and you do as many shows as you possibly can. You get up as many times as possible. You do a one-hour show every night. And then hopefully some more shows every night. Wow. So you're doing at least anywhere from 60 minutes to like 90 minutes of comedy every day. That's amazing. It was great. It was a real, Is that like real a South country. by Southwest kind of a feel for yeah, just comedy? I've never been to South by Southwest, to be honest. But like, it's it feels like theater boot camp. Okay. Because you don't give up. You, but it's like the whole town, right? It's the whole town that comes out to like hang out and watch and stuff like that. But some of the places aren't even like phased by the festival. It's like some places are just, you know still part of the city they don't care if it's the edinburgh fringe it's really like a few neighborhoods in the heart of the city that like get a million people together and just like everybody goes out and watches shows yeah all day long there's 2700 shows every day and people are just like performing in little nooks and crannies and you get to be one of them it's such a treat i recommend it to anybody who like wants to take a trip out there and really like see what it's like to 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 go on that journey grind whatever yeah. you want to call it it's really fun and you said there's no like hanging out so it's just like going from gig oh there's gig. hanging out there's oh, tons yeah. of hanging out like you you i think you have to hang out just because like you you finish your show maybe at like midnight and then you go to a bar and you sit down and it's a huge drinking culture yeah everybody's getting drunk until literally six o'clock in the morning <laughs> you sleep till noon you do your first show at one and then you you just keep working it's so much fun it's That's a right. real it's a real theater boot camp is the best way to describe it. It's That's just so cool. you're constantly moving. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, 
did you uh when you were like starting out um did you play like a lot of colleges too like not really not until i went to naca which is like the national association of campus activities i went and like just saw it i went when it was in boston one year because i knew barbara by then who was running uh flappers i don't know if she had the club yet but she was working at the ice house maybe still and uh, i just told her hey can i just come out and help you like set up the booth and just see what the college market is like yeah and she let me go and i and I went and saw it i went once in boston and once in pennsylvania and then i saw it and i was like okay i think i can do this and probably when i was like four or five years in i started like submitting myself and i got picked a few times right up the front and um probably booked like five schools every once in a while yeah. and one time i ended up booking like 30 schools wow and that was crazy that was like super exciting yeah yeah and i thought yes this is it made it yeah done every year it's just gonna be i'm just gonna be booking more and more and more and then i'm louie like that's it <laughs> and then this last year like i booked zero i literally didn't book a single school just because I, I messed up didn't have a good time made it too much about me instead of about them and now I'm learning, and I have to go back in October and uh, try again. That's because it's that like kind of like a talent show, right? Like you just show your yeah. It's stuff. a huge showcase. You just like show up, do about 15 minutes, and then they book you off that. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Or college is fun. Like, is that a fun gig? They're okay. Yeah. They can be. They're very professional. The kids are like you know practicing for one day being in like the workforce so they treat you very like hi mr singh thank you so much for coming we're very excited to have you right we have your chicken fajitas right here whenever <laughs> you're ready to eat them please enjoy them and there's a bottle of soda if you like a bottle of soda we'll get you a bottle of soda it's in your contract they need a bottle of soda they're very like you know here's s- a care package from one of our mothers yeah, thank you very much yeah these are some cookies for you for the road i hope the flight was okay I, uh, Megan will be taking me back to the hotel afterwards, the show. And if you need anything, please don't hesitate to ask. Like, it's like, <laughs> dude, just calm down. Like, we're, we're in New Mexico. It doesn't matter. None of this matters at all. It's just fun. This is Chico State. Come Chico on. State, yeah. <laughs> I can see my house from here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you don't need to treat me so crazy. But it's fun. I mean, you, you meet so many fun students. Yeah. God, you meet so many interesting kids with so many interesting stories. And it's it's uh, that's the real fun part about it. And traveling w- was fun. This recently, I, w- I went to Chicago this weekend, and I hated it. I couldn't. I mean, this is the first time I've been on a plane, and I've been like, "This is the worst." I hope a plane just crashes into <laughs> us right now, because I'm so done with this. I was. I thought about the plane crashing five times, at least <laughs> five different times. I was like, either a plane needs to crash into us right now, or how great would it be if we just nosedived into the ground? I was so over this flight because I was flying Spirit. For the first time. How's that? The worst. I'm flying Spirit to Vegas in a couple months. The Vegas is like an hour. Yeah. But still, their their services, their services, whatever. But like the flight was delayed, and then like the seats don't go back. (laughs) They don't tell you that the seats don't recline. So you're just (laughs) sitting in a awkward, you know. It's the school bus of the sky. (laughs) It's the school bus of the sky. They don't give a fuck about you. That's the school bus. (laughs) That's what they say in the beginning. Hi, welcome to Spirit. We don't give a fuck about you. Uh, (laughs) We don't even know where we're gonna end up. It's just we're leaving this airport, and then God's will will take us somewhere. May God have mercy on all of our souls. And uh, and you gotta pay like fifty five extra dollars for your carry on. Yeah, that's where they get you. It, they, they think it's like cheaper, but they just pack all the price into your bag. Like a carry on's forty dollars. Yeah, it made me really angry. So I thought about death a lot this weekend. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. So I hated flying, but I usually love flying. 
I'm usually good at like yeah. long distance flights and all that kind of stuff. Totally. Cause I've just been doing it longer than anything. What's um now that you're like, um, more established, like what's your, like, um, I don't know, like, what is your like dream? Like, do you still want to do like Saturday night live or do you want to No, do... I want to write for late night. Yeah. Yeah. I want to write cool. monologue jokes for That's somebody. Awesome. I just want somebody to give me a chance yeah. to write some monologue jokes for them. That's literally all I want. Do you, do you like, uh, do you write like every day? Like some kind of, I mean, I write roast jokes a bunch, which are like on a specific subject of like a person, but I've written packets and that stuff and submitted it to Conan and I just never hear back from him. And it's like heartbreaking every time I'm like, God, what could they really be looking for? Yeah. These are really the jokes that I hear on the show every night. I don't know what's so different from mine from theirs. Right. And I just never hear back from any of them. And that's depressing. Cause it's like, it would be nice to have some sort of stability every day of like going into an office and working with other people totally, yeah. and doing that during the day and then going back out at night doing stand up. Yeah. Totally. Having that balance is super necessary in my life right now. So I'm working hard on that and just hoping for some good shot. That's why I released the album. I was like, hopefully somebody will hear this and, uh, at least give me a, a audition or a shot at totally yeah. getting in the room and writing some jokes. That's all I want to do. That's awesome. Yeah, th- that's like I feel like that's like the dream job, like yeah. writing those jokes. I was talking to Brian Kiley, who you probably know. I think so. He writes for Conan. Oh yeah, Fall yeah. Guy. Fall Guy, yeah. He yeah. plays the Conan Magic, and he was telling me like their like regiment for what they do every day, and it's like they each write like two hundred jokes. And I was like, Conan doesn't read all that. He's like, Yeah, he reads all of them. He reads that's like great. two thousand jokes a day. I was like, That's insane. Like that's great to pick out twenty, you know, for a monologue to read that many. Yeah. It's awesome, yeah. But it's like, whoa, like I had no that idea how much it was. Aspect into it. of it is fun of like, oh cool, is my joke gonna make it tonight? That's fun. That's totally be yeah. cool. It's gotta make you work harder and all that kind of stuff. But someone's gotta give you the chance to do it. Right. That's awesome though. Um, what was did you ever have like a really like bad like set, like a bomb or anything that sticks yeah, out? Yeah, this weekend I really ate shit. In Chicago? Yeah, I did a I did a gala for a for my friend who is part of a church, they are having a gala and they wanted to have a comedian. It was like the first time <laughs> they've thought about having At a, a church. Comedian. It was in their like rec center. So okay. I was like in like a basketball gym. Okay. And I was performing on some stairs. <laughs> and it was just in front of like sixty Arabs who were Christian. So it was a weird audience <laughs> in the sense of like they were like Christian I mean they were Arabs, but they had like crosses on and I was like it kind of threw me off and then they they told me to be very clean yeah and the way they told me to be very clean was one they told me to be very clean but like the priest was like the show's gonna be kosher tonight right and i was like yeah man <laughs> it might not be funny but i'll make sure it's clean if that's what you really want well, everybody you guys got was Arabs adults. out there wearing crosses now you want me to be kosher what kind of yeah, church what kind of, sh- <laughs> wait, what kind of church are this are you like five different churches this? yeah <laughs> No, I mean, they were great people. They were just nice and everything. They gave me applause breaks, and they, mm. they clapped at stuff, and they hated some stuff. But, like, they were just, like, it was a tough show to get through. Sometimes it's not the audience that's bad. It's just you. Like, it's just you being difficult with yourself. And it was just hard to break free from that this weekend. And that was a bad show. It's a bad show when, you, when you're performing and you're just thinking, I don't want anything to do with this. That's what I consider a bad show. Is that like in your head kind of? Like, yeah. yeah. It's in your head and it has that mentality of giving up. And in stand-up, it's one of those things where you just can't think about giving up. You got to keep pushing through, I think. I think that's a big part of it. And uh, when you have that give up mentality, sure, it can make you a little bit stronger. But it's like while you're doing it, it just feels terrible. 
because you're wasting everybody's time. You're wasting all 60 people that are sitting there. You, it's It makes you feel so terrible. Like, why am I making these people sit through this? Yeah. I would hate it if I was in the audience right now. Right, yeah. So that's what I consider a bad show. It's important to, like, have fun while you're doing Totally. Your, yeah. Totally important to have fun. It comes through a lot, yeah. Um. I love that joke too that you do where you it's talking about you throwing your bag to catch yeah. the subway bus. I love all that stuff you're doing on. Is it Funny or Die that you're putting them out on? Yeah, I put some videos on Funny or Die. That's such a great idea. I've never seen it before where you like you're doing your stand up in a club. It starts out and then it goes into kind of like a, a sketch. short sketch. Yeah. yeah, it was my buddy Nick's idea, and he's from New York, and he just had this idea to do it. He's a genius. He's it's amazing. shot beautifully too. Yeah, he's so good at what he does. I keep telling him to make more videos with me, but he's so busy with. Yeah. It. Doing real movies, <laughs> asshole. If you awesome. hear this, Nick, let's do something. <laughs> Make more. Please. Make more videos, please. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Anytime. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for coming over. Awesome. Thank you.